we are. Welcome to Be Yoga Live with Jenny B. I'm your host, Jenny B, coming to you from Montreal. We are a little late with some technical difficulties, but Dr. Uma Dinsmartuli is here from England, joining us from her beautiful, what I think is her home studio, what it looks like. How are you doing, Uma? I am doing really well. I'm delighted that you've invited me. I'm delighted to be talking to you, lovely yogis in Montreal. And uh, yeah, I'm actually in a little bus. It's in a, You're in a little bus, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a Renault bus called Florence. Can you see that's the roof? Wow, beautiful. It's a, it's a, it's a French bus that was used for transporting French soldiers, actually. It's a military bus. And it's been turned into like a was a little living space, but now it's a it's a well, it's a studio where I work and write and and and, and talk to you. <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm right there with you. Thank you so much. So I I wanted to I was reflecting on you know this this book that Uma has written is is well it's the size of the Bible, and it is actually <laughs> it is actually my Bible Yoni Shakti. Oh. Um, and I, I just noticed that you had actually autographed it a few years ago when we met. Oh, um, so, <laughs> yeah. so, so the story with the yeah, I was I was um, a number of years ago. I can't remember when. Maybe you do, Uma. It was uh, two or three years ago. Uma came uh, to teach at the studio I was working at at Nada, and um, I was. Yeah. I was teaching pre and postnatal yoga there, and I admittedly, for some reason, I guess had been living under a rock, didn't know any of Uma's work, and she was coming to our studio, and as the pre and postnatal yoga teacher, um, I felt like it might make sense to go to the weekend workshop by somebody who has created a book called Yoni Shakti. It seemed like the right place for me. Um, so I signed up for what what was a, a transformative, life-changing experience for me when I got to know the work that you do, Uma. And um, which, of course, not exclusively, but is is uh, surrounding uh, uh, maternity. So I was hoping that you could start off maybe giving some viewers a little, um, you know, uh, what is it that you do and that makes the, the style of yoga that you teach and you have created different from what we might be used to? Oh, bless you. It's always a good place to start at the beginning because the work that I do is for, for women's health in general, you know, for and and um it began really when i as as a pregnant woman pregnant on my first child that would have been in like 97 um i was kind of not completely happy with with what yoga i was being offered you know so i started to kind of i was i was two things came together so i was training as a yoga therapist at the time and i was attending my kind of lineage yoga that I was connected to at that time very traditional kind of Indian approach to yoga and I was doing like childbirth prep yoga and I was like none of this stuff for pregnant women has all the good juicy stuff of yoga in it and none of the traditional crew are making space for me in my pregnant body mm. and the people who've really got the answers here are the yoga therapists so what I was doing was looking to bring nurturing yoga yoga that would nurture at that point, I was looking at pregnant pregnant bodies that would nurture pregnant bodies. But then, late, you know, I then discovered like yoga therapy is really helpful for postnatal recovery. But like standard yoga in your average yoga studio is actually quite harmful for mm -hmm. postnatal bodies, for pregnant bodies. And it grew and it grew and grew. And now, clearly, like with my gray hair and my glasses, I'm I'm in the middle of my menopausal space. 
So I've, I mean, a lot of the yoga has grown. So I see that I've done a lot of work around menstrual consciousness yoga and uh, yoga for the cycles of women's lives. So supporting our creativity, our sexuality. And, uh, and so what I saw is that the seed of it is right in the yoga. If yoga can support a pregnant body, it can it can support all bodies, you know. And mm. I was so, been, so fundamentally, it's a kind of therapeutic approach to yoga, but it's also got a little spice of kind of like you know radical intersectional feminism in there because like a little bit <laughs> habit a female body and not realize that that's actually that bodies that you know are political. It's a politicized thing, especially around birth. And so a lot of this is about women's empowerment. And um, so, yeah, so that's that's how it grew. And so that's why Yoni Shakti is so big, because I was teaching and teaching and everyone's going, have you got a textbook for this, Uma? And I was like, I can't find the textbook. I've got stuff <laughs> from the radical birth people. I got stuff here from from the history of women in yoga. I've got stuff here like the, these Mahavidyas behind me. This is the grandmother Mahavidya. There's all the tantric, shak there's the devotional stuff. So I needed to put it all in one book. And that's, I didn't mean it to be that big, but I, I'm, yeah. It couldn't be any thinner. It could not be less paid. Well, I don't know. The there's... edition you have there is the first edition. And actually the second edition, which is is another 70, 80 pages long or longer. But wow. you, can you can get hold if any of you lovely people have got the first edition. You don't have to buy the second one. You can just download the, the update, which is quite important. On Yoni I'd be curious and what what in what in the last years then have you found that you've needed to add in that was not necessarily in the first edition um that none of the practices have changed but I had to expose uh, abusive women in yoga basically the first so is this quite is this quite new I know you do have I don't know if you'd like no, to speak to it, us about your yeah it, it came out um it was my lockdown mission when we first went into lockdown in Britain in March of last year I felt really moved not just to, I had to update the book because as I was writing Yoni Shakti, I was hearing a lot of stories. It's a bit at the end of Yoni Shakti, it starts to come through, but that book was first written in 2012. And in 2012, I knew how many women had been really seriously abused, sexually abused, emotionally abused, financially abused, abusive, you know, if their labors, there's a whole set of very powerful problems with uh, authority in the patriarchal yoga schools. And I knew that, and I wanted to put that right up front. And I wrote a very, very strong piece and it was censored. I mean, censored is a strong word, but my publisher and the editor I was working with at the time, we all kind of agreed, like I colluded with it. I said, look, I want a book that celebrates women and yoga. And they said, if you put out this, and it's really, it's quite powerful. It talks in very strong language about what I knew. And nobody else really believed me at the time, except mm. for the women who were the survivors of it. So uh, X number of years on, like literally eight years later, everybody knows about that. And everyone realizes that there's these abuses exist in pretty much every single yoga school you can think of. Um, and so, and I'd heard lots more stories by then. So basically I, the first, the new edition, the first part of it is a very powerful set of poems and testimonies, evidence, calls to action, which is positive because I'm an action person. Like, so what the, what the frig do we do about this? Mm -hmm. And it's got some warning signs. So if you're involved in, in a, organizations or in 
institution. And I was kind of moved because I knew there were a lot of women who were like trapped in abusive power. And you, you see how fast it can happen, right? I, I can say straight out that a year or two, I guess, ago, I was, oh, I loved my Shivananda. And yeah. when stories started to come out about, uh, you know, Ashtanga, Patabi Joyce, all these stories were coming out. And I remember, um, uh, what is the name of the, the book? Oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name right now. You know him well, for sure. He's been around in your Facebook group. Who, oh, who, uh, Matthew Remsky's Matthew book. Remsky. So I was reading. Yeah, because he was associated with Nada as well. He's yeah, and he, he had come to town, and I was trying to decide if I could stomach going to his weekend workshop. In the end, it didn't work out. But I was reading his book called uh, Practice and um, oh, it's a Patabi Joyce quote. That's very ironic. All is coming. And all is coming. So I was reading it, and at the time when it came out, I remember thinking like, oh, thank God, this has not hit my community, which at that point was Shivananda. And it was a matter of weeks before that whole thing got shut down. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so so I, I was so close to that community, and I very quickly understood how easy it is to, to be in something, to see kind of this strange stuff going on, especially when it is such a, a patriarchal setup, which yeah. that the institution certainly is. Um, that said, I mean, I've, I've met many wonderful, amazing people who are actually, who are actually still associated with, uh, with Shivananda, but I really understood how you can find yourself in these situations uh, without really realizing how you got there. And then there's the, the beauty of it in the community. And then you're kind of looking around like, oh my, oh my God, now what do I do? No, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, m I felt that as a as a person with a voice, <laughs> um, my I needed to sort of set the record straight. So I made grave errors of judgment because at the time I was writing Yoni Shakti, um, I was still receiving teachings and was part of a Satyananda yoga community uh, in India and and around the world. And it wasn't until the book came out. And then in 2014, really serious accusations of abuses of women and children in the Australian ashrams of Satyananda Yoga were revealed by a, a, a commission, a royal commission of inquiry into institutional child abuse. And there were many institutions investigated and the, and the Satyananda ashrams were one of them. So that was a, and I've written at length about that on uh, the statements on our Yoga Nidra network, but I needed to review all of that because evidently I had to go through my response as a as a student of that lineage and to offer a critique of it because there are many valuable teachings within it, but I think I've kind of tried to rehab those teachings and disinfect them as it were and, and still offer them out because I feel there's so much of value in yoga but it's undeniable that there is a lot of abusive power structures and those power structures are kind of tied in with a lot of other uh, um you know inequalities and inequities that are ma mapping out in in terms of racism and and in terms of misogyny and in terms of kind of economic inequalities and you see all of that in yoga institutions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how is it then this this for me the the expression of not throwing the baby out with the bathwater really comes to mind with all of this because I mean, we, we have to recognize where yoga comes from and we have to look at, you know, how different cultures are and very ancient belief systems. And how, how do we how is it possible to keep the good stuff? And, you know, how how are you disinfecting? How can we disinfect without well, without just throwing it all out? Well, I think we need to be sent, be aware of of context. Um, and we need to be aware of actually what is what's he, what's actually healing and nourishing about these practices. What 
just it's really simple to me it's like these are practices for liberation yeah their practice is intended to to empower people to to connect with source power that's what yoni shakti means all yoga is about that isn't it to connect with source to to reconnect and that anything that's that's truly liberatory is a powerful positive thing but we have to liberate those tools out of the, the the structures that are oppressive i mean and and so basically what what i've done is function in a post lineage way that means that i'm i i no longer am i'm associated with any of those lineages because not because i'm like anti-lineage is a basic idea or anti those practices i'm just i just don't want to be tied up to those really oppressive kinds of hierarchies that are disempowering for people people get into them and they're like basically you know in that that worship of the, the and the guru's shishya thing it doesn't really translate into a western environment mm -hmm. it's a deeply embedded in the whole indian tradition where your family has a guru you know i'm i'm looking at it from a point of view of somebody who's married into a you know a british indian family so like wait like there are gurus for your family and there's a whole you know and it's not just like a commercial thing where you sign up and and pay up and you know it's a very problematic transference that the guru shishya thing from the indian traditions to a commercial western yoga selling thing that that's troublesome but if we want to really work for freedom and justice and empowerment with yoga which uh, which is what i'm trying to do specifically around women's health then there are so many practices that when you take them out of that context of oppression and patriarchy they become much more free and i give you one simple example is the way that i i work with total yoga nidra is like the antithesis of the mm -hmm. way that i'm trained to deliver it okay it doesn't mean i'm not well no i'm not starting <laughs> I'm interested in that you know i love oh i didn't realize we get questions no i i asked what i've done is I could, you know, you could start a new lineage by like having franchises and setting out class plans. And I don't work in that way at all. What we work is the collaborative way. So I don't teach on my own. I teach with a team of collaborators. I've just been having a meeting with someone I've been working with for 13 years. So like when we just say, for example, we run our Yoni Shakti course, we run a women's course with a, a circle of teachers. So we have a circle of teachers. I'm just one of those. You certainly don't want to put yourself in in the role of guru then. No, because think about yoga nidra, for example. I was trained to deliver yoga nidra like this. Okay, I tell you what to do. You don't move. You no sleeping. You behave yourself. Don't <laughs> repeat now. Repeat. You know that kind of language. I was trained to do that. Now I know how valuable yoga nidra is, and I know how triggering that kind of language is. So what we've chosen to do with our network, and I think the Yoga Nidra network, and we, we make mistakes, but we're trying to not set up a new lineage to set up a network. It's basically a community of knowledge. And that's what the post-lineage term is. It's quite useful. It's a term that's been um, kind of invented, actually, or, or it's not invented. It's a, it's a description of what uh, Theodora Wildcroft I've seen. I think it is a new level of consciousness is a, is a way I'm happy to describe it because we can see it's collaborative. It's in circle. It's uh, it's not about this guy at the top. It's not like a pyramid 
sense that there's someone mm -hmm. at the telling everyone else what to do. Like we respect and honor the wisdom in the circles of the women who come in, say, for example, the Yoni Shakti training or the Nidra trainings that we do. And we listen to people and we empower you to deliver, for example, Yoga Nidra in a way that's um, permissive, inclusive, welcoming. You know, it's nourishing. It's nourishing. It is welcoming. You open, Uma, if, if anybody has not heard, and her Yoga Nidra network is wonderful. When she's talking about the collective, there are a number of free recordings that you can listen to. 23 different languages. So I have, I, I have a commitment to linguistic diversity, and uh, that's one kind of diversity. And we're also, like, offering bursaries, and we're trying to, like, get a reach out. And there are hundreds of free Nidras out there, and all of them are, like, live recordings of teachers sharing um oh bless you mika i mean i think it's so important because if we really want to, to share these tools of liberation to help with the evolution of humans because we certainly need to evolve out of where we've been we have so much to learn from um ways of sharing and being that are not a capitalist patriarchal structure and yoga doesn't have to be like that do you know what i mean it doesn't have to be that commercialized kind of we'll sell you your, you basically you, you i don't know what else you want me to say about it but that's why i don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because these are ancient ancient practices that i have you know full respect for their roots for the extraordinary process of having preserved yoga you know under the freaking british colonial kind of attempts to eradicate anything like that you know and to demean it, the people who held fast to those yoga traditions in India deserve like full respect and honor because that is the treasure for the whole of humanity. It's a treasure. And so I feel honored to be able to share what I feel is like authentically connected to the, the roots of the practice. I went back with Yoni Shakti, did loads of history. So you back so far though in that, like I, I know in many teacher trainings that we're taking here, even, you know, you can graduate from your 200 hour program. You can you can have been practicing yoga for a long, long time and the word Tantra is still a scary word, right? We, we most people in the West associate Tantra with sex um and point final that being the end of it but of course this i mean this beautiful book could you give could you give for people who are are thinking of tantra tantra sex as the way they're looking at it it's such a big subject but is there could you give us a little a little taste of why it's not just that i think one way of understanding tantra is that it's like if you think of yoga as the sun tantra is like the mother do you know what i mean tantra is where it, it, it it's rooted in to a sense of practices that if i mean and i can't speak about the whole enormous weave of tantra and that's one way of understanding it that it's like a weave and it's all about the capacity that we have to build in expansion and understanding and what i talk about in yoni shakti is shakta tantra so shakta tantra and there are a set of teachings and you can look at it historically and say it reached its heyday in i know the 10th century in india but like you can track stuff way back way back way back into um, indigenous roots of yoga. And that's what I did with Yoni Shakti. I took like the Mahavidyas behind me. This yantra is part of a tantric practice that addresses all dimensions of being and it's part of Shakta Tantra, which means that aspect of like worship and practice and technology of, of being that honors the deep, the deep feminine, it honors Shakti. So the way that you connect with that is a way of actually um, kind of embodying and connecting with power with shakti, with the power of the deep feminine, and you'll use 
yantra, which are these geometric images. You might use mantra. And you're using teachings and ritual practice to actually directly interface with, with, with the power of life. That's what I would say. Wow, not, well said. Different definitions of it. But like it's uh, so a lot of uh, what's in Yoni Shakti was I was tracking the kind of the roots of, of Shakta Tantra, which is a worship of, of the of energy as, as the as the divine mother in her many, many aspects. And particularly in Shakti Tantra, it's very collaborative. Like you get these are part of the wisdom goddess set. You get 10 wisdom goddesses. You get 64, you get yoginis, you know, you'll get the seven mothers, you'll get, you know, you get the 30 nityas. I was just talking with uh, my friend out in California, N Naya Petrinos, who's done really beautiful work around the tantras of worshipping the lunar cycles. So there's, it's just mm -hmm. infinitely rich. And I don't feel qualified to give definitions, but I know a little about the, the embodied practice of, of Shakta Tantra. And, uh, and one aspect of it is to honor the the presence of energy in the form of, of every woman. That's the teaching of, of the Devi Mahatmya, that you honor every woman and girl as a manifestation of, of you know, of Shakti, of the energy of life, you know? So I happen to have, um, I happen to have this as well. I'm a bit of a, I, I collect, I collect uh, Oracle cards and I got this years ago oh. again when we met and I'm so happy to have it. Are you? I, I was thinking of shuffling the deck and picking picking out one of the yantras and having you explain a little bit to us. And I believe that your husband is the artist. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah my, these, are, as you can see, are quite large, and the ones we've got are, you know, on little cards. But these are oil on linen, and my husband Nilip Tatuli, who's the illustrator for Yoni Shakti, he did all the illustrations. God bless him. Of me doing hundreds of different practices, <laughs> he drew all the drawings. And these were painted over a period of seven years. And uh, they each one represents a different aspect of, uh, of uh, the cosmic consciousness in, in feminine form as a, as a goddess, as a face of the feminine. So I want to show, I, they're beautiful. I want to show the illustrations that he did. I didn't actually realize he did do all yeah. of that. But yeah, so this yeah. is you modeling and that's him drawing. Is that what happened? Yeah, what happened was we took <laughs> I don't know how he did it. I got up very early in the morning. Anyway, we did hundreds of photographs, and then he made line drawings from the photos. Yes, yeah, so unbelievable. Yeah, this is it's such a it's such a complete book. I mean, there's text in here. There are a number of texts in here for Yoga Nidra, which um, I have used over the years as my main inspiration when I teach Yoga Nidra. It's uh, the way that uh, the stars, you know, Uma has you place a beautiful little star on all these parts of your body, which is different than than the way that it's often taught. And uh, it, it usually brings people, um, it, well, it brings people to quite a magical place. I really, really love the way that you teach yoga nidra. Welcome home, she says, welcome home. Well, I feel it's a way to settle back into yourself, actually, with yoga nidra. And that's the new book that I'm writing, which is nearly, nearly, I keep, I've been saying it's been nearly finished for a long time, but it's the same size as Yoni Shakti. And it's okay. called nidra, nidra Shakti. So it's Beautiful. all about your 700. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, and that one has about 108 Yoga Nidra transcripts in it. Wow, wow. Yeah, I look forward to seeing that. Spring. It won't come out till it's a bit more spring, summer. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So can I pick a card then and you can give us an idea of uh, this beautiful deck? In, in questions that bless you. All right. Oh, okay. This is nice. 
So, oh, so this is Tripura Sundari. So it's Shodasi. Shodasi literally means the 16-year-old. She's one of my favorites, actually. She's so beautiful because um, she represents, um, she's sometimes represented with the Sri Antra, actually. That's another form of her. Oh, that's what I have here. Yeah, yeah, she, that's another form. But in the in the system of the Ten Wisdom Goddesses, different people put them in different orders but i put her first actually because to me she represents yeah she's very she's got a little um sugarcane bow and she's sitting very sweetly and beautifully upon the she's a beauty of the three worlds basically and in terms of a, a life cycle a female life cycle she represents menachi you know the energy around the very mm -hmm. first menstrual period. So she's said to be 16 or the eternal 16-year-old, but she embodies that quality of innocence and power that I think needs protection. You know, and uh, so Shodasi or Tripura Sundari means the, the beauty of the three worlds. Sundari's beauty. So she is that exquisite and perfect beauty of the moment of immense power embodied in like innocence and youth so she's like dawn you know she's the dawn light or she's also like you know i don't know if you spend much time around young women who are coming oh into uma their... uma I've, i'm i'm on the verge of tears because i've got a prepubescent kiddo in my in my well, life yeah, my I girl is my th the one of the technical difficulties is my 13 year old daughter is playing minecraft and i'm like you need to get off the wi-fi <laughs> So yeah, and I see that as all and, but the, the funny part, please. It, to, to, there's a call for us to protect that power of those girls to come mm -hmm. into their mm -hmm. own womanhood, to come into their sexual identity of themselves, and all the explorations that might involve. You know, to engage with all these issues around gender and and cyclical awareness and everything that's there, and to fully feel able to be themselves you know and to and to be how they are with all their beauties or whatever they choose i've watched my my daughter working through all these phases with the, the makeup and the eyebrows mm. and this and that and now currently she's in the like i'm just wearing the the lumberjack shirts <laughs> you know she's in that so you know it's like but, but what you see is that as a community around though that energy we have a responsibility to hold hold it safe for them you know, and you can see it as other things. It's not just about girls getting their first bleed, you know, and celebrating that and allowing them to feel positive about that. But it's also about any kind of experience you have where there's, you know, when you have like a, a new idea is brewing, you know, or, or there's a tender idea of stepping forward into a new version of yourself. Or it's like any time you've encountered that kind of dawning thing, that's Tripura Sundari. It's very, very precious. And I feel it's like such beauty to be, to be really honoured and protected, rather than uh, you know over sexualized or shut down or like you know limited in some way with shame and with all those things that young girls get. get and we did, we did experience in that weekend. I was talking about the training I took with Uma. She had us. She had us. I don't know if you do it in every time you do that particular workshop, Uma, but you had divided the group and and we kind of all had an opportunity to reflect and share 
share the reaction uh, of ourselves and our moms, etc., at that first moment, the first period, and it, and to understand how that forms our our feelings quite often around shame and embarrassment uh, of this for the rest of our lives. That first moment and how how our moms usually react to that moment it affects us forever. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, the, the first day of all the trainings, and I've done it in retreats as well. I always call it honoring the girls we were. Mm-hmm. I mean, because mostly I'm working with women who grew up as girls, and I'm fully aware that you know we've kind of expanded our reach to be inclusive and welcome to, to to people who identify as women who want to connect with that. And there's a different experience, I think, sometimes for for women who grew up as girls and need to make peace with that. Because often there's a lot of, as you said, shame and pain. And those things cast a very, they cast a very long shadow over our entire lives inhabiting female bodies for at least for as long as the menstruations continue. And what I observe is a lot of my work as a yoga therapist um, is dealing with fertility issues or issues around uh, the reproductive system like menstrual pain or mental health issues associated to the menstrual cycle and nearly always I'd say the process of revisiting the very first bleed and the the years around that is a very powerful yoga I mean in yoga we have this term svadhyaya you know self-study and some people mean think that means like reading the scriptures and listening Mm -hmm. to holy talks which of course is all very well and good but it also means listening to the the scripture of your body this is a holy text and the pelvis is a holy place and listening and feeling into the tensions and the shames that are hidden there often requires us to kind of revisit those experiences in a in a a way that re-honors them so uh, there's a lot of work and it's not just me doing this work it's very important Mm -hmm. but it's i think it's part of a yoga practice to and i use yoga nidra to help help us sort of settle back into those times in ways that are kind and passionate so we do things like writing a letter to your younger self and there's a yoga practice of like revisiting in the girls that we were who are still living within us i see that with every you know every grown woman that i meet is still this 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 girl in, inside you know and 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 how she was treated is an important part of how that woman deals with her own life you know and her own femininity and the reproductive system not just in a practical way but in a, a spiritual and psychic way you know when you talk about um uh changes we can make you know you talked about writing but you just before talking about writing a letter to your younger self when you talk about working with people um, in any kind of trauma and using yoga nidra uh, to do that can you give us a little bit of an idea of why yoga nidra is such a powerful tool to get into those deeper layers that we can't get to in in this state or actually maybe a little you know what is the state of yoga nidra that allows us to get there well the thing is that literally yoga nidra just means yoga sleep like it literally just means like the sleep of the yogis or the yoga which sleep or the the you know the yoga of sleep and so it's a meditation on the process of falling asleep it's a meditation that you do lying down and so one of the things about it is that you can be in if you use restorative supportive poses so i very rarely teach yoga nidra in that kind of open vulnerable shavasana way 
I nearly always suggest people have flexion, you know, that they're, co they're cozied up, that they're held. So if you do it in a really held space, you're literally like you're kind of in a womb. You can be you can be on your side. So I give people a lot of agency and a lot of support to start with. And then to be in that space, it's a liminal space. That means it's at the limits of one thing and the other. It's, it's neither one thing nor the other. It's lots of different things. So it can be deep breast. Often people do fall asleep. I don't tell them not to because I think it's a... <laughs> so Tatiana was at my class on Tuesday night and it seems that she also was not told not to fall asleep. Yeah, that's what yeah, because like... <laughs> Is you'll go you, as you as you bring your awareness around the different parts of the body. Sometimes you notice that the body is asleep, and but so you can drift into a dream state. You can be in a kind of liminal dreaming state. You can be fully alert and awake. You can be listening. You can be hearing words, and you're in a trance state effectively. So it's a very it can be a very nourishing place to be, and you don't necessarily need to do anything in particular to evoke or to reconnect to places that were you know vulnerable or difficult because they often just pop up all by themselves and the the, the basic way that you're making that a nourishing thing is is to do with the tone that you're showing so i i think that actually a lot of yoga nidra is quite triggering and upsetting for people it's mm -hmm. bossy it, it, it it's 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 prescriptive it tells you what to feel it tells you not to move and it tells you how to be and then it wakes you up at the end you know so i actually think it, it all depends is usually a rather unsatisfactory answer that i give to almost every question because like how would you use your ganidra in cases when you're dealing with 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 uh trauma it's like well what kind of trauma it all depends what kind of yoga nidra so mostly i think the most helpful thing with nidra is to begin with it as a, it is a trance state to use it as a space to really nourish us, to restore rhythmic cycles. It helps people reconnect with like healthful menstrual cycles, sleep cycles, digestive cycles, creative cycles, you name it. If it's cycling around, Nidra will help you be a reset because basically what it's doing is letting you rest in the womb of all possibility. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's, it's an adaptogen. That means that it will adapt to the person who's receiving it and that means that for some people, it will always sort of be a beautiful thing that sends you off to sleep. And then the next thing, it'll be something else. And then the next thing, it'll be something else. And it changes. And what I see is that depending upon what you really need to happen, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you're going to need to hold the space for that. I see it as a there's, a, there's a concept of, a, that's why the book's called Nidra Shakti, because it's the power of rest, the power of sleep is to hold like a vessel for you to come into and and in it you you can like connect with your own kind of like resonant healing state as the capacity for the body to be healing but it's also just really simply an incredibly um powerful place of deep healing actually um and sometimes you can be really specific so i did do a whole series of yoni nidra there's a whole album i've recorded of yoni nidra and that's specifically about the the reproductive system the female reproductive system so it's really looking at thank you that's it you're in the network that's where you find them but it's specifically about so it mentions the anatomy of like the labia and the clitoris and the womb and the cervix but you don't get there until you've done other things you know it's like you don't jump right into that stuff 
it can be quite subtly held, I think. <laughs> so if people if people are interested in listening to, um, I mean, there are many, many voices and the voices of uh, Uma's students as well, but I personally have found some of her yoga nidras that you can purchase on the Yoni Shakti site. And then there are also yeah. others on the Yoga Nidra network, uh, paid and free. And uh, if Yoga Nidra is new to you, or if you're watching this and you've experienced it uh, with me or someone else, I really encourage you to check out those two, two sites because she said she's she's it's all there the good stuff is all there and it's it's just softer and it's uh you know again she opens it with welcome home and to me that that kind of says everything when it comes to yoga nidra i really encourage anybody who's interested uh in the subject to go check that out and um I, I could uh, ask Uma questions for the next 24 hours straight, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to say thank you so, so much for being here. This was uh, a highlight of my week, if not month. Um, really, really looking forward to it. Yeah. Delight. I'm so glad to be part of what you're sharing and to like open up different voices of, of yoga and just get discussions going and just realize what a tool we have here to support and nourish everybody because it's 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 challenging for people right now and i think that that yoga is has offers so much that's mm -hmm. just deeply nurturing and, and it is we see that it's for everyone right i mean yoga nidra is a part of yoga so for the people who don't feel like moving today that's what you do in yoga nidra you don't move <laughs> you don't have to i get people fidgeting and wriggling around a lot and uh, but I tell you what's what's quite yeah it's and it's one of those practices I think that translates really well just mm. through online you know through audio yeah. and through this we, we've been running our trainings on zoom it works incredibly well because mm -hmm. you're able to really when I'm with my clients I can really watch carefully and share and it, it's yeah it's nice to do things in person and maybe one day that will happen again but right now we, we really need these practices my it is and we're grateful we're I, I say that to my students every time they show up i cannot wait to massage your feet next time i see you in the same room but for now i'm so grateful that we have the opportunity to connect oh. in our little our little squares and and boxes in the yeah, <laughs> meeting it's, it's beautiful that you're able to kind of like still weave the web through your podcast so thank you for inviting me here it's really oh thank you i hope to see you again i'll definitely I'm, I'm always keeping an eye on what you're up to and uh one day we'll see you in in uh, the flesh again one day i'm sure and oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah until that time thank you so so much uma and uh yeah bless you for for doing uh what you do because oh. it trickles out right it's not she said it's not just her but the amount of of uh you know it, it trickles out pretty far so thank you yeah. so so much well, thank you for the work that you're doing keep up the thank good you. work thank, thank you, you. We'll, we'll see you again take good care yeah bye bye <laughs> bye